Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Nathaniel, also known as Gospel Nate on this channel. We've been walking through the book of James at a near breakneck speed. In about five weeks, we've made it all the way to episode 5, which is going to be picking up at verse 16 of James 1. Last week, we went over James 1, 9-15, as we looked at what things in life really matter. In verses 9-11, through 11, we looked at the value of things we pursue. It was easy to be caught up in pursuit of things that make us wealthy, in an earthly sense. But we shouldn't lose track of what matters to God. Then we took a look at verses 12 through 15, which reads, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when full grown, brings forth death. We saw when we overcome temptations and trials, we receive a crown of life. Crowns were given to people who were victorious. There were signs of honor and glory. Diadems, on the other hand, were given to kings as a sign of authority. It was a show of their position to rule and to lead. Our modern understanding between the two kind of blurs the lines so that we have an understanding of crowns really being more of an authority status, but that's simply not how it was originally. We also touched on the possibility that overcoming trials and temptations could bring more physical life as well as spiritual life. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to live longer, per se, but it can mean that you will live better. Imagine if you could actually get healing in your knees or healing in your neck without having to go in for surgery, expensive therapies, and other such things. We also looked at the nature of temptation itself. No one can say when they are tempted that God tempted them. God isn't tempted by evil, so he's not going to tempt us with evil either. Rather, we are tempted by our own desires. We are faked out by them led to believe that they actually have value. Then, we are used by the thing that we were tempted by. The whole point behind that usage is to bring death into our lives and our bodies. Then we're just tossed aside by it. We looked at how this leads to condemnation and how we don't experience condemnation when we are inside Jesus. We must step outside of him to engage in the sins that we want to do. This is called walking in the flesh. All condemnation comes from the flesh, as does sin. We also know that Jesus will forgive us. It is going to take relationship with him. It is going to take hearing from him. Not just acknowledging in your head, but acknowledging it in your heart. And see, when you hear it from Jesus, that's where everything changes. We can have the head knowledge that you're forgiven, but it takes a real solid understanding that you are forgiven by hearing it to fully believe and fully accept that you have in fact been forgiven. And that about covers it for review. Today we are going to be discussing gifts from our Father. And as we all know, we all like to receive gifts, especially when they're quote-unquote free. And we're going to be looking very specifically at a very particular gift. We'll get into that in a moment. For now, let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
Lord, we thank you for the time that we have with you. We thank you for your word that you have given us. We thank you that you haven't abandoned us and that you love us enough to want to give us good things. We thank you that you are continually changing our hearts to give us the things that you want. Because, Lord, we know that even good things can cause damage if they're not used right. So, Lord, as we dive into your word here and we begin to dissect it, Father, I ask that you would show each individual how it applies to their life, how much you love them, and give you the praise for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get started. We're going to be again in James 1, verse 16, and we'll be reading from the New King James Version as usual. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> deceived is the Greek word planao. It means to be caused to wander from truth, safety, or virtue, or to be led in error. We tend to be led astray by our own desires. We discussed this in last week's episode. We are drawn out and deluded. Uh, we can be lied to, obviously. Other people can try to deceive us. Therefore, we must have knowledge of what the scripture says. We aren't supposed to rely on just what other people tell us. We're supposed to check the scriptures, just like the Bereans. Uh, check me. You know, I may be teaching, but that doesn't guarantee that I'm never wrong. So, do not be caused to roam from the truth, safety, or virtue that you may be in as, at the moment. Don't be led into error. Verse 17 goes on to say, For every good and perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There really isn't a much better way of reading this. Uh, every good and complete gift is a gift that lacks nothing to make it better. And therefore, if the gift is lacking something to complete it, you have to ask the question, is it from the Father? Sometimes, you're just waiting on the second part of the gift. But if it's clearly evident that there is nothing else coming and the gift is wanting, then it may just be, well, not directly from the Father. We can gain the things that we want, and we can do that all by our own effort, all by our flesh. It will not be a perfect gift, and that one will definitely be lacking something. Most likely the blessing that comes with the perfect gifts. Here's an example. My first car. My first car was bought in near fear and desperation. I didn't wait to ask the Lord about it. Heck, I didn't even realize at the time that I could ask the Lord about it. I was under the impression that this is life. You do things that you need to do, and you get a car, and you trust that the car is going to work out great, especially when it's offered by a friend. I had it for three weeks before the transmission went out. A couple months later, I blew a head gasket. Then the brakes went out. Then the engine went out, and the list kept going on. I got it from a friend, like I said, and I only paid about $600 up front, but it cost me almost a new van by the time that I finally dumped it. The issues that it had were legion. Thankfully, it survived a move from Maine to North Carolina, but it still had its issues. I never knew if it was going to start the next day, or the next day, or the day after that. And then it happened. My dad actually met a man who had another van. It had been sitting for a long while, but it still ran fine and it only had about 80,000 miles on it. We didn't have the finances to buy the van outright, but my dad traded labor for this vehicle. At the time, I didn't know all the details. The vehicle ran perfectly for a long time. 
which was excellent because I didn't have the money to spare on repairs at that time. The entire four years I lived in North Carolina was in abject survival mode. I had enough money to pay bills and not much else. The vehicle ran perfectly for me until I moved to Colorado. It wasn't until my second year there that it began to have issues, and that was after I was making more money. I was also learning how to bless the vehicles I drove. The van was from 1984 and started out with 80,000 miles. It kept on ticking for several years, and when the time was right for a new vehicle, the van very quickly began to fall apart. My current car is not brand new either, but it works better than my van did. I am no longer saving for repairs. That's one huge blessing. I am no longer shelling out $100 plus in gas every week. That's also a huge blessing. And leading up to my marriage, this was important. I will always be thankful for the van that I had, even though I am more thankful for the car. And this car has lacked nothing since I got it. Which takes us back to our verse, Every good and perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Father of Lights is pretty straightforward. He is the originator of light. Light shines from him. I've seen this in the past and it's kind of hard to describe because you see light comes out of every square inch of him. There is no shadow in his presence and to see defining features on anything around him it's almost like two points where lights converge and it's just less bright than it was before but there's no shadow. But this isn't where the verse is getting at. Turning, or trope, means exactly what it says. Changing position, not heading in the same directions as before. Shadow means shade, obviously. There is not even a hint of changing what his intentions are, is basically what that whole phrase is getting at. In James 1.18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This verse is so awesome, I cannot even begin to tell you how excited it made me when I started breaking it down. Of his own will, bulamai, it means to will deliberately. It wasn't some random flight of fancy, very, very specifically thought of us. The phrase brought forth means that he gave birth to us, and he did it through the word of truth. Now, think about this for a second. When we receive Jesus as Savior, Jesus, who is the Word of God, spoke us into existence. Our spirits were brought to life, and that life was spoken into us. To say that we are completely different creatures is an understatement. We were created as something new that had not existed before that moment. The Greek word here for word is logos. It is a general spoken Word of God. It is the same word of life that he speaks over every new believer. The word truth is our Greek word, aletheia. It means objective truth. To be true no matter who is considering it or what the situation is. The objectively true general word of God spoke absolutely and totally new life into your spirit, making you a completely different and new creation. You are not the same person anymore. And this should give us pause when we open our mouths to speak about who we really are. Who are you really? Are you really dumb? Are you really pathetic? Do you fully know in all truth who God has made you when he spoke you into new life? When he 
birthed you into this new life? Are you fully aware of everything that you have inside of you? Do you fully understand the new identity you have because of this transformative new life? Guys, this is serious. We walk around like we are nothing important. We talk like we aren't anything special. But who has God created you to be? He didn't just bring your spirit back to life. He created a completely different life inside of you. You were dead in your sin. You are alive to Christ. We have potential for things that we cannot even begin to imagine. And that one phrase there, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. See, this is, this is fascinating. This is the statement that puts the nail in the coffin. All right? Done deal. No turning back. No argument to be had. That we may be a kind of. Kind of is the Greek word tis. It means a certain thing. Something very specific. That specific thing is a first fruit. Something that was offered to the Lord as the best. Israel had a law uh, given to them back in the day uh, that all the firstborn males of their livestock and the first of the harvest was to be offered to the Lord as a sacrifice. The same was also true of the firstborn males of the people. But God does not delight in human sacrifice because he made those lives in the first place and he made them in his own image. Back in Exodus 13, God gave them clear rules. Every firstborn male belongs to God. They would be redeemed with a sacrificial lamb. This is fascinating. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. By the act of his sacrifice, we have been redeemed. This goes for every single man, woman, and child, so that we can be a kind of first fruits. Each one of us basically becomes a firstborn and a co-heir. And Jesus was the lamb that was slain, slain to be the price paid so that we would not be sacrificed. Each one of us is bumped up in the line of succession. And everyone said, yay, inheritance, yay, I am important. And you are not wrong in either count. But the inheritance is not always what you think it is. You see, at the time you were spoken into existence, at the time that your spirit was brought back to life, you were made a firstborn. And the firstborn was supposed to be sacrificed for sin offering. Jesus, who was the first begotten Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, was sacrificed to pay the price of the sin to redeem the firstborn that we were created into so that we could be co-heirs and inherit all the things that Jesus was supposed to inherit. Now, the really short and nearly watered-down version of inheritance is as follows. Joining in the sufferings of Jesus for the sanctification of your soul. It is taking back the parts of your soul that are dominated by the sin of the flesh so that Jesus can have all of you, not just your spirit. And this is a truly amazing thing. Now, I know someone is going to say, but inheritance is about me getting something from me so I can be rich and stuff. Now, in an earthly system, that would be absolutely true. In a spiritual system, you are Jesus's inheritance, but he only has what you give him. So if half your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions are wrapped up in doing the will of the flesh, he does not have access to that part of you because he will not go against your free will. You have cut him off in those areas. But let's not get too distracted here. 
we are now considered a firstborn or the first fruits. And this was spoken by the word of truth, logos or general word for all, and eletheia or objective truth. The last word in this sentence is katisma, creatures. It means a thing founded or a created thing. Of all the things that God created, we are the first in line and first in importance. Do you ever feel like you aren't important? Like nothing that you do really matters? You're just some small, insignificant nobody? Kind of like the Casting Crown song? I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Well, I'm going to tell you, knock it off. Because that's actually bad theology. Literally, right there in James 1.18, it tells you plainly that you were spoken into being a new creation so that you have become a firstborn. You are somebody. Do not downplay your position or your responsibility. This position is a good and perfect gift from the Father of Light. This is not something that can shift or turn. Believe it or not, we have covered some ground here. And I would advise everyone listening to spend some time in the presence of Jesus. Ask him to show you who you are. Ask him to show you what a firstborn looks like. Ask him to show you what that is going to mean for you and your life. I will hammer this idea of relationship with Jesus until the day I die. And as long as you are with me on this podcast, you will hear it. Because I can never stress the importance enough of relating to Jesus. It will always make a difference between a good walk and a mediocre walk. You are somebody. You were created to be a new somebody. Different from anything you were before. If in your life before, you were worthless in your own mind, in your life now, you are not worthless by any stretch of the imagination. So go out there and talk to Jesus and find out what this looks like. I'm serious. Spend some time in his presence. And then when he shows you, or he tells you, act like it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had in your presence. Lord, we thank you that you have created us to be something totally new. Lord, that you have instilled value in us. You have given us this new identity that is greater than anything that we could have had before. And Lord, simply because you said it, it is so. So, Father, we give you the praise for this. We give you the thanks for it. And, Lord, I ask that you would show each listener who they are in you, that they would walk away from this podcast with a deeper understanding of their value and what you have in store for them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, you are blessed. You are a new creation. Have a great day.